Welcome to Existential Southside Sox, Sox Populi Podcast 169. I myself, Brett Valentini, am wondering why I'm here in another year doing this. I believe I have three guests who might be asking themselves the same, but I'll let them, you know, acquit themselves or just dig the hole deeper or whatever it is. Uh, because yes, the calendar is turned. It's 2024. And as we look around in the White Sox universe, well, frankly, and probably the universe itself, but definitely in the White Sox universe, not much has changed. In fact, things have seemingly just crept even worse. And of course, by worse, I don't even have to parenthetically speak by worse. I mean, just creeping more in the Royals direction, which is what we all want. That is really the goal for all of us as White Sox fans, just to be more like the Kansas City Royals. Uh, anyhow, we're not even uh, playing hooky on a podcast topics yet. I suspect it may come because I don't know how we're going to withstand like whatever, 50 podcasts this year talking about the White Sox and drilling down and talking about strategy and whatever dumbassery is going on. I mean, the dumbassery we probably will talk about, but in terms of really uh, the, <laughs> the nuts and bolts of the White Sox, what's there to say? But to begin uh, 2024, we are actually going to try to like stick to the White Sox and stick to a legit topic. I'm not sure if we've done White Sox resolutions in the past. It seems like as part of the, the panoply that's been in the past, uh, Sox of us, that we've somehow wedged some kind of resolutions. I actually didn't, you know, the host that I am didn't really check to see whether we've done it. I know we've had like eight weeks of Sox of us, I think just as recently as a year ago. Uh, Tommy Barbie, Father Soxibus, is not with us. Of course, he was adamant. He said, listen, I have very strict rules about Soxibus, and resolutions do not fall you know, under that umbrella. So this is sort of like adjacent Soxibus, because we just can't stop celebrating the White Sox, or at least the, the tomfoolery that is the White Sox. So heading into 2024, uh, the four of us here on this podcast, and I'd say another four or so on staff have written in the companion article that's published along with this podcast. The one thing we are expecting or demanding that the White Sox do for 2024, uh, there's a variety of answers. You'll hear some of them uh, tonight uh, on this podcast. Uh, Melissa Sage Bolenbach is joining me, as is Dante Jones. And Super Joe, Callie Joe Rhesus, uh, all three have submitted their entries in our article, as I have as well. Uh, we're going to go, I guess, clockwise, at least as the Brady Square looks to me. So I'm going to put Melissa on the hot seat to give us, of course, she cheated. <laughs> she's, already, she's already broke the rules of the resolutions. I believe she has a couple ideas uh, at different levels of bars for the White Sox to clear. <laughs> you need to put one on the floor, Melissa. Uh, but uh, give us your mm, couple takes on the resolutions, the things that you really expect that the White Sox have to do uh, for you this year. Yeah, so I, I am not a good rule follower, so I couldn't pick just one. Um, and I, I thought one was actually like attainable. So I was like, they, they could actually do one. So I'm going to add another one too, because if you make goals, you always have to like set a reach goal, right? When you're like trying to get into college, you're like, Ooh, this is like my attainable colleges that I can get into. And these are going to be my reach colleges. So, you know, I, I thought the white sex might benefit from that too. So, so my first one is that they've got to be better at home. Like, how can you be so bad at home? I mean, last year they were just, I mean, they were awful in general, 
but especially awful at home. So if I'm going to make myself go to one of these dumb games and sit and torture myself, <laughs> can I at least have like a 50-50 chance of like seeing a win? Like, is that so much to ask is like for them to win 40 or 39 maybe even of their uh, games? Because last year they won 31 home games. That is that is horrible. So that was my first one. And I think, I mean, going from 31 wins at home to 40 wins, that, I mean, yeah, that is nine more wins or asking a team that actually is not going to be better than they were last year. Like we've only gotten worse. But out of my two resolutions, I thought that one was maybe, (laughs) maybe reachable, but maybe also giving them way too much credit because, you know, signing a bunch of players who are batting 200 probably not going to put yeah. you in the status to win nine more games. Yeah. That resolution is not on the floor, but it is. Uh, you, you hesitate to say any of these are attainable, but oh, plausible. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, did you give them a harder one? Yeah. So the, my harder one is that they need to win more one run games because of course they set a record last year for one one run losses, an all MLB record, which, you know, of course, we love to set bad records. We don't set like the really good ones. Like we did the most of this XYZ good thing. We like to set records for awful things. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think this one is not obtainable because or attainable because, I mean, again, all the work that has been done so far this off season. Okay, it's not done yet. I get that. Like that, there's still <laughs> there's still some time. We could add some offense that might make it easier to have some more offense, but I don't really think that's going to happen. And then pitching is worse because we traded everyone away, and Dylan Cease is probably going to be gone too. So I don't think we're going to be in really that many close games to win them. So, yeah, so that one's my big reach goal, which I have no confidence whatsoever they can they can win. Okay, Joe and Dante jump in, but I'm going to first say that I think those actually flip because there's no way the White Sox are going to lose more one-run games because they're not going to come close to one-run losses this year. They might set a record for five-run losses, that could be. But, you know, of course, one run implies they're in these games and, oh, boy. Uh, we might not see that this year. Uh, Joe, Dante, you, what, what's your take there? Are they even going to be yeah. in games to lose by one run? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like, the White Sox, it felt like they had a lot of one-run losses last year, but they weren't actually in the game. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a, oh, score, the down one, the game's over, because of just how huge the offense was when it wasn't players named Luis Robert Jr., mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, some stretches from other players like Jake Berger before he got traded to Miami, you know, things like that. But for the most part, even when the game, the score, like it's a line we say all the time in football and basketball. The game was not as competitive as the scoreboard makes it look. Mm -hmm. Because when you sit down and watch a full game and see how uncompetitive it is, it's like, ah, that's why they lost. Not oh, they were so close. No, they're not this close away. They're this close away. I mean, I feel that they were though. There were some. There were some of those forty-four losses where they they really could have, could and should have won them. But when you have no team chemistry and you have no 
real, you're dogging it to first and you're whatever. I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to push through and win those games, but yeah. I can agree to disagree. It's all good. No, yeah. No back end of the bullpen, you know, with Liam being out, which is the one thing the White Sox actually couldn't control in terms of their horribleness last year. I guess that's one of the things we know that's one thing. It might only be one, but that probably factored a little bit. And we saw Raylo um, struggle after, well, even technically struggling in game one, but uh, definitely struggled as a closer. Uh, Joe, do you think it's realistic that the White Sox at least have a better record in one run games? Because again, the total losses would imply that they're going to be in games. And I mean, that's a toss up. I mean, they <laughs> lost 101 games. They can only be so much worse as much as I keep talking up. 108 losses or whatever. I mean, that's still only, I mean, they can only be so much worse. Is it realistic they could at least be competitive in the games they are in? I think it's realistic. Yeah. I mean, you know, let's see. This past year, they went 19 and 30 in one run games, which is pretty much on par with their overall winning percentage. It was slightly higher than the 61 out of 162 games that they won overall. Um, and I, I do think that from just doing the little things better, they could find themselves on the winning end um, in some of those games. Like they could accidentally stumble into a few good seasons by individual relief pitchers. Um, they could have, you know, some balls kind of bounce their way. Um, that could make a difference late in games as well. And yeah, overall, yeah, I was disappointed with, I kind of thought that with LaRusa being out there would, you know, the lack of hustle would be less of an issue, which, you know, it didn't really seem to make much of a difference. So like, that's something that I feel like could definitely be improved on without a major change. Um, but yeah, I, I think I do agree with what you had said initially about there might not be that many one run games to begin with. Um, but yeah, that's all the more reason why they can have a higher winning percentage in those games. I mean, the more you, the, the more you decrease a sample size, the more likely it is that something unusual will happen. So I mean, yeah, I say why not? So let me make this clear: we've got Sox Math, the Wizard, Sox Math Champ, Joe Reeses, basically saying if enough balls bounce differently this year, the White Sox will be better in one run games. So he's breaking it down right there. Forget the metrics; it's just Depending on how the pebbles are set up in the infield, the White Sox could be a better and one in games. I, I interrupted you, Dante. Sorry. I will say there's one thing I always like to fight back against, and it's the idea of players not hustling as hard simply because you don't know – like, we don't know what's going on in their lives and what's making them, like, do certain things. And, yeah, there are definitely moments where you can obviously see someone's not hustling. But, like, I've been on the mountaintop of screaming, like, Maybe we should give these players a chance because they are humans too and not just think of them as these athletes and these millionaires as some people do. But that's just something I always want to fight back against because, yeah, like sometimes players don't hustle. And sometimes there's a reason before it. I mean, behind it. Like we saw the whole thing that allegedly they were telling um, Eloy Jimenez not to run as hard to save his body because he was just getting hurt doing all the running things, which – also, if your plan is tell players not to hustle as hard instead of, you know, getting a better medical staff, then you've already lost. But, yeah, just 
I just hate the oh, idea boy. of players <laughs> just don't care enough to hustle. Yeah, fair. At any time. Or, or Dante, just field players who can run without hurting themselves. I know that's a high bar. Uh, how about this? I think we can all agree on this. When we, If players seem like they're not hustling, or let's say a player isn't hustling, how about we just make a rule that the manager doesn't pretty immediately call up to the press box to let everybody know why that player's been taken from the game? How about yeah, we just like, handle those things maybe internally? Maybe internally and maybe like if you think a player's not hustling, maybe, just maybe, yeah, um, maybe. the punishment shouldn't be trying to blast them in the media, but... Yeah. Um, Taking them to the side and talking with them, seeing if they're good and if they're not good, trying to give them the support and help they need. Although we're asking the White Sox to support and help players. And by everything we saw with Tim Anderson this year and your main Mercedes um, last mm-hmm. year, the White Sox don't believe in helping and nurturing players or two years ago for your main, but you get the point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, listen, I'm I'm not a major league manager. It just seems like that should be something you that you don't do and i mean that would be 26th on the bench may definitely not your mvp candidate I, that just seems like a no-brainer i would think even not being a major league manager i would remember not to do that but hey i'm just a guy on a podcast uh okay we're gonna get one more answer from uh our two remaining contestants here then we'll take our break talk more resolutions uh i'm gonna go to joe because his ties into a couple others as does dante as well but joe uh hit me with uh your resolution for the white Sox in 2024. so the white Sox have had a lot of trouble with developing their own players especially more raw unfinished products and that leads to a lot of problems down the line um it certainly puts them in a difficult position when they had Rick Hahn as general manager, who not only was not very good at uh, finding good players, like free agent signings that actually provided a good amount of value for the White Sox, but there were also moves that he was making to that were bad attempts of addressing a problem that they shouldn't have had to address in the first place. Like, I don't know, Joe Kelly, for, for example, Like, if they would have had a good reliever in the minor leagues instead, you know, there wouldn't have been any sort of need to go out and and give him a a significant amount of money to be a kind of sort of okay reliever who was inconsistent. Yeah, good at times, bad at other times. Like, if the White Sox were able to actually develop their own players without, you know, trading for other teams, polished prospects. That would be very good for them down the line. Um, If, you know, they were a contending team, then that would give them ammunition around the trade deadline as well. And that's really something that we haven't seen lately. I mean, the White Sox, of course, they surged up in the farm system rankings in 2016 and 2017 when they traded all of their present right. talents for future talents and then a little bit of a surge at the 2023 trade deadline. But we really haven't seen any of those surges outside of those time periods when they were making those sorts of trades. And that's pretty problematic. So maybe with a new um, person in charge of the, with a new farm director, we we would have a chance to to get better at that. 
as I think you even acknowledged, Joe, uh, uh, hopefully not completely offset by the fact that the guy who didn't do a very good job, who was holding that position, is now running the team. So hopefully he won't like cancel out the good moves that are being attempted by the player personnel guy. Uh, but unfortunately, that could actually well happen. Okay, a couple of uh, our writers, not on this podcast, sort of touched close to what Joe's talking about. I know Maliki Hayes, what he was talking up was the whole um, – the Jose Quintana type of uh, principle where you just have to be able to find as a GM, you have to be able to find those nuggets. I, I think as he put it very well in the piece, as you've either already read or you're reading right now, or you promise you are going to read after you listen to this podcast, after you get out of the car, after you can focus and read, uh, as he put it, uh, the a star a 2024 star who we're not even talking about right now, who we don't even think is going to be a star. And maybe star is even saying a little too much, but the two, three war player, the Chris Flexen becoming a two, three war player, Martin Maldonado somehow having a, a, a two war season. Now, not necessarily those guys, but, but somebody uh, that gets cast a wide enough net to bring into the team. And certainly they're bringing plenty of, uh, 4A guys, uh, guys with the, you know, tin, tin cup selling pencils, uh, uh, trying to stay in the major leagues. Uh, one or two of those have to come through. Quintana might not even be the best example, but that's certainly a guy that one of the few way back when that Rick Hahn found and, and blossomed into an extraordinary pitcher for the White Sox and then even yielded something great in trade. That's uh, Maliki Hayes's resolution. You got, you have for this, for this rebuild that's not called a rebuild to work at all. They're going to have to be a couple surpri pleasant surprises. And it's been a while since we've had them that connects to you know, the hamsters entry. Uh, she has a couple ideas uh, in the written piece. Uh, one, the simple one is just win at some point, win one level being really good. It could be Canapolis. It could be the Arizona complex league, just win somewhere, maybe get into the playoffs. This, this organization has gone a long time, without really winning anything. We've had the 93 win season uh, a couple of years ago at the major league level and uh, crickets, certainly in terms of playoffs. I mean, we're lucky to get a 500 team. We're lucky to get a barely winning team. Maybe one of the technically, what is it? Six affiliates has actually a winning record in the season. This, since I've been here, this, <laughs> this organization in terms of wins and losses, you know, that's not what it's all about in the minors uh, has been horrible. Uh, just win at some place. At some point, players got to get used to winning. They have to win. Uh, but uh, her, her other point, uh, I, and actually I think is sort of stealing for me because I think I was talking about this on a podcast, but you know, I'll talk to her later about that, is the surprise, the, the surprise prospect or the don't look back prospect. The White Sox have gone a long time since, uh, I think on the podcast I was mentioning, going all the way back to Frank Thomas. Uh, Chris Sale, I guess, doesn't even technically count because he came in under the bullpen and then he became a superstar starter. That guy who makes it to the major leagues and you don't ever think twice about him ever going back to the minors. Even Tim Anderson, you know, he he didn't go back, but you know, he that that rookie campaign, I mean, he wasn't in the rookie of the year consideration. It was not necessarily a don't look back situation. The White Sox were just pretty bad and had the need. Uh, to get that guy, it could, buy, it could be Brian Ramos. It could certainly be Colson Montgomery. That would be the guy most people put money on, I suppose. Somebody. Uh, I think I predicted on the podcast that I thought my my hopeful miracle, that's what it was, the Miracles podcast was, Wilfred Varis is going to be the guy who comes up in the majors, sort of bowls his way in because he has a great, you know, half season at Charlotte and just does not look back once he gets in the majors. That seems like a pipe dream for the White Sox because it's been a long time. The White Sox just don't have guys like that. And 
Not every team does, but that stuff does happen. It would be really nice. That would be a really great break for the White Sox to get that kind of player uh, up in the majors this season, maybe get even just a couple months uh, under them to the point where you can say, all right, cross off that position as a question mark in 2025. That one's taken care of and might be taken care of in the way that Luis Robert you know, although he's not always healthy, uh, you know, as a guy, you just don't have any question about center field as being a superstar and MVP contender. White Sox are long overdue. Could be a pitcher, could even be a bullpen guy, just somebody who pulls that sort of thing off. We're going to hear from Dante Jones and his resolution and a couple other writers who aren't on the podcast with us after the break. Trust me, we're going to be back in a minute. Fans for Sports Network has something cool to sell you. So give a quick listen. We'll be back. Promise. And uh, who knows what else we're going to talk about. But Dante uh, gets the microphone here in just one minute. White Sox fans, my name is Brett Ballantini. Nothing has changed as the calendar has turned from 2023 to 2024. The White Sox are still wannabe Royals. Uh, and we'll get to that because we have a writer who actually addressed that topic in her resolution. But first up, and uh, last to talk among my guests, at least, and share uh, his resolution is Dante Jones. Uh, hit me with what's on your mind about the thing the White Sox have to do for you in 2024. All right. So this is probably going to be a tough ask because it's always a tough ask for any corporation when you <laughs> ask them this. And Melissa, I'm going to do a curse word in there just for you. <laughs> so what I want the White Sox to do next this upcoming season is Stop fucking lying to your fans. <laughs> Look me in the eyes. Look me in the eyes. Bees right here. Stop lying to your fans. Come on, White Sox. I am tired of this. I am tired of being a White Sox fan and having to deal with the lies of, oh, we're going to try to be competitive next year. No, you're not. <laughs> There's no free agent, big name free agent, that the White Sox have been linked to the entire offseason. There's no one that they've been linked to to trade for the entire offseason. Nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, congrats. We we got what? Chris Flexen. <laughs> um, they'll be fine to um say flex on him, all that crap when he um does his one or two innings of good work and then blows up. We have another catcher that just can't hit, but at least he can call a good game, so good job on that. Like I said in our group chat. I don't care necessarily they can't hit. I care more about the fate if he calls a good game because Lord knows Jasmine Grandal wasn't doing that. And, um, you know, we still don't know who what the shooting was in the ballpark. We still don't have answers to that. Yep. I think the hit and run that happened, we kind of don't have answers to that for the most part. Yeah. Like, and this team just – they didn't even come out and say we're canceling SoxFest. SoxFest just doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, so, for the Hoi Polloi, it does. But, yeah, it's still it's yeah. that's still the field museum that's not SoxFest. Yeah. Exactly. Like, if, if you got money, it exists, but not for the everyday fan. So all I want is for the White Sox to just stop lying, and they won't. No organization in the history of sports will ever stop lying. Mm -hmm. Like, we can't even get, like, we can't even get the tax returns or anything. But yeah, stop lying to us. Or at least if you're going to lie to us, put a damn product on the field that's good enough that people can deal with the lies. You know why Cubs fans weren't that pissy this year compared to what they could be and what they usually are? Because at least halfway through the season, they was doing decent. Like, they blew up, and that was fun and hilarious to watch. But 
at least they can do like they fans don't care about the lies as much when they're winning. And guess what? Most fans don't care about the lies as much when you're winning. You think Angels fans would be as upset as they have been about the Shohei thing if they were able to get to a playoffs once with Shohei Otani? Do you think, you know, Giants fans were happy about Aaron St. Judge last year? No. But, hey, at least Giants fans had a playoff run in 2021 that – I mean, 2022 that mattered versus the White Sox not doing shit. No. So, at the end of the day, we all know you're going to lie to us. I would prefer for the lies to stop. But if you're not going to stop lying, at least don't tell us we're going to – we plan on being competitive when you have done nothing at all to even – Touch competitive. Yeah, when you've done anything at all to touch mediocre, <laughs> you are like, in my eyes, the White Sox have done nothing that will let me know that they will not be worse than la- than the past season. Nothing. And if anything, if they like, if they continue on this path and sign no one else, they will be saying hello to the A's on the way down to the bottom of the MLB. In my opinion, at this point, that's just the point I've reached with them. So if you're gonna be that bad, we're really not gonna deal with your lies. We're really gonna investigate them. And here's the thing: Southside Socks and Socks Pop have always been the ones that don't care about what you think about us. Mm-hmm. So just know we're gonna get in there. We're gonna <laughs> look and into his know. eyes. He is not messing around. Boy, he is not, not lying. The more you're gonna dislike us. <laughs> The more games you're going to see fans come into a stadium with bags in a pocket to put on their head. So, White Sox, it's not a threat. It's a promise. No, it's, it's a promise because, I mean, <laughs> I was there. I was sitting across from fans with bags on their heads because of how disgraceful this franchise has become, which is something you've touched on, Brett, and something that Ali's touched on in her piece. Mm-hmm. Stop lying. Become, like, at least somewhat be a responsible and an organization that people, fans, can be proud of rooting for a win, loss, or draw. Because if you don't become that, then you're just a shittier version of the Cubs. And, and there's no reason that a White Sox should be a shitty version of the Cubs when the Cubs are that shit anyway. Yeah. Yeah, let's not give the Cubs a pass just because they're winning. Because, I again, I still can't comprehend how you don't just put your fandom on pause, no matter how long the Ricketts are in charge. But that really yeah, is a different not just podcast. That, but also the Cubs. The Cubs are one of the few teams that have shockingly done less than the White Sox in the offseason. <laughs> the only thing they did was still a manager. Besides that, the Cubs have done jack shit. Yeah. And everybody and their mama thinks that the Cubs are going to be better than the White Sox next year. What does that not light a fire under you to be better than your rival, which ain't even a rival because over the last few years, they've lapped you yeah. except for one season. And Jay. that's an issue. And me, the person that's not even the Cubs hater in the group. I'm upset about this because of the fact that the Cubs are almost definitely going to be better than the White Sox this year. The Cubs cost me money because of the fact that I had a bet with my dad about who's going to be better. I was sure that the White Sox would be better last year, and they were way worse. Oh, I'm, so, yeah, I'm with you, Dante. I'm, I'm with you. Because I'm starting to get into ranting territory, but just stop lying and stop pretending. Give us the truth. Even if we don't like the truth, it's better to be told the truth in a nice manner than been lied to and paraded around like with some idiots or not. I mean, we got half the podcast here with some serious connections to the Cubs. I mean, there's some blood connections to the Cubs. There's some real conflict here on this podcast. Again, it's an entire it's an entire podcast series that we certainly can't address, you know, here in five minutes. But I mean, you know, listen, you and Melissa, I mean, you're 
not probably by choice. You, I know you're holding your nose up in the air, but uh, you know, you're there's some proximity to the Cubs. It's 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 rough. You got pops, you got the husband, man. That's whew, I do not envy you. I do not envy either one of you. Hmm. Um, hey, th- let me just interject this before I carry on with just a couple more resolutions. Can you imagine how awkward this field museum event is going to be? How, nobody's going to want to mingle with the people who show. I mean, again, at the Hoi Polloi, so hey, listen, they threw down money, so I'm sure you know they're going to be like, hey, let's go, you know, rub elbows with. They're not going to want to do that. They're not going to eat from the same hors d'oeuvre tray as they look at. I don't know. Uh, a dinosaur skeleton or whatever. How weird is this thing even going to be to the point where I'm guessing there's going to be very little even engagement or interaction. There's certainly not going to be like Q and A's, you know, that can be like how to field a ground ball. With, uh, what, what players are going to be there that anybody's going to be excited about? Luis Roberts probably like, yeah, I'm busy that weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah Luis Roberts going to be back home. Like he's oh, going to yeah, be like, yeah, like, woo. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, Pedro, yay. Like, I don't want to see Pedro go fall. I don't want to see the rolls. Like, if I wanted to see that, then I would have, you know, just became a Royals fan. But it's going to no, be like a be sixth easy. grade, like, sock hop. Nobody's going out there. Going, one side of the room, you know, of the uh, unscrubbed non-MLB people who do happen to drop thousands of dollars on the team. And then the, the other the other side of the room is going to be like the White Sox. And I doubt there's going to be too much crossing you know, uh, or interaction. How many pictures and videos we're going to get from that event? That's something I've been thinking about because, like, it's a not a convention of, or anything. It's a just lot of people hugging around kids. Yeah, like, right? yeah. I, yeah, it's going to be a bunch of people around tables and a bunch of people, like, standing on a stage, giving a speech, but the speech is going to mean nothing because the White Sox mean nothing right now. And it's going to be even worse because no fans that actually are passionate about the team, just because you put money into a team at that level, doesn't mean you're passionate because, yeah, you got a few tickets and half the time you're going to sell those tickets away. I know I was a season. I was a season ticket holder last year. We sold a good chunk of those. And let's see. Let's even say you are. Let's say by virtue of and I know it doesn't always work out. That, but let's say you are. And the passionate people who are going to show up at the field museum. They really love the White Sox. Here's the thing. They got your name. They know who you are. You're not going to go in there and cause a ruckus. You're not going to elbow Ron Kittle in the forehead. You're not going to challenge Pedro Grafal with like, like you're a, not going to go question. You're going to lose your seats. Jerry Ryan so that he should be in hell already. Like, no, <laughs> you're going to go in there. You're going to eat your old d'oeuvres. You're going to have a good time, hopefully, because I always hope you have a good time. You put your money into it. And then you're going to probably forget that you were even there within the month after it happens. Yeah. Maybe you get a group photo like in front of, I don't know, is Sue the Dinosaur still there or whatever. You're going to get like a group photo of like, you know, 150 people maybe. That might be your your souvenir. And maybe the White Sox will send it to you, you know, free, you know, with with your ticket or something. That's the, I mean, I just can't fathom what the engagement's going to be. You get the Chris Guest signed baseball, a um, Pedro Gafal signed um, manager's clipboard or game sheet. You know, he'll just that's all you'll get. You're not going to get anything of value. They do not want to unleash Steve Stone in, in that scenario. He's going to insult everybody. I mean, I guess it's not Twitter. Maybe he won't. He's a nice guy. I just don't know what's happened to him. Maybe it's maybe it is Twitter. Maybe he has just got a sort of a thin skin online or something but i'm not sure you want to let i'm not sure you want to let ron kittle i don't know who from the organization you would really feel say aside from like not 
think hard. I, I hate to pick on Flexen, but I mean, you know, there's a bunch of guys who nobody even knows who they, for all they could be just sort of like tall employees of the field museum because nobody's going to necessarily identify, you know, who it is. Exactly. So maybe those are the guys who are going to mingle. They might be carrying the food. Who knows? <laughs> you want that first starter job, Flexen? Get out there with the orders. Uh, okay, um, Ali uh, wrote in our piece uh, something very much along the lines uh, as uh, Dante, which really is just honesty, um, also demanding honesty, even in small increments, just change this team, make some better choices, even in small increments. Uh, and let's face it, nobody's expecting a 180 degree turn with this ownership and with this management team. And, you know, frankly, probably even with these players, but uh, improvement would not be bad at all. I suppose that spills into what I wrote on and it, it falls definitely in line with Ali and Dante and probably somehow uh, between the lines or not with pretty much everybody who bothered to participate in this exercise and probably every one of you listening or watching or reading out there. And that is just be decent. Can we, I know it's very tricky. We mentioned the Cubs, that is like exhibit A, but you know, and, and Dante, you know, dismissively says, you know, all ownership, all corporation. And I get it to whatever degree a business is, is really not gonna look out for the little guy's best interests ever. So I'm not expecting some sort of weird, um, squeaky clean Canadian Mountie approach to running a business or running a team, but, Little things like maybe not jumping a market to hire an abuser um, or really even before that, jump on the market to, to, to sign an Adam Eaton who's, who's demonstrated not to be a terribly good teammate in Chicago. Uh, there's just smarter, better decisions. This is going to be a losing season and probably a stretch of a few seasons of losing, whether or not they call it a, a rebuild. And it's clearly, I mean, it's maybe it's not a rebuild because they're not even really rebuilding. Maybe that's the difference. Han at least said, okay, you know what? You know, we're going to try and do this, this, and this. And, you know, he failed at, at, at most of it, uh, as I think even, you know, Joe acknowledged and most of us have. Um, you know, maybe Chris is just going to pretend, well, you know, I'm not just going to call it anything. And then I sort of don't have to do anything but hire these, you know, 4A guys and get all the catchers, even though we have a couple of blue chip prospects we just acquired last summer. But it doesn't seem like a lot to ask just to sort of do do the right thing. I know that is not Jerry's way per se, but he's not been this bad. You know, we can complain about the fact he gets paid either way. He's been holding up the state of Illinois. Well, basically, he's, basically his entire ownership, certainly the balance of his ownership. But I mean, I'm not going to get a bunch of underwear over the fact that if the White Sox don't get a certain amount of fans, he still gets paid. Or if they do get a certain amount of fans, he gets paid. And he's holding up that he gets all the money from the, you know, all this stuff. Yeah, that's not great. But that's also very easy to just sort of throw on the fire. This ugly stuff. And this 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 lack of accountability and the lack of honesty. I mean, let's not forget that Dante Jones was at the game where a bullet hit somebody shooting, flying from dropped from a UFO. Somebody brought it in and smacked it hard against their arm. Whatever it was, there was a bullet and an and an issue during a game. Game wasn't stopped. No announcement was made. Concert was canceled. No information was given. Uh, that's an incredible day. I mean, that's like, I mean, uh, clearly like borderline illegal, if not immoral, it's clearly immoral. 
it's just, it shouldn't be this hard to do the right thing. We don't even expect to, to even hearken to what Allie wrote. We don't expect perfection. I think I said the same thing. I'm not expecting 180 degree change with the White Sox, but improvement is absolutely not too much to ask because any improvement, any good move they make is improvement because they're pretty much an offer for Tony Larusa on. I mean, it's it, we're stretching back. I think more than just a calendar year to say this team has been on a bad streak of making uh, some really craven decisions and and offering no account, not even fake accountability. There's a way to sort of still like lie, but tell us what we want to hear. And I'm not a big fan of that, but it is an effort and it acknowledges there's some acknowledgement in that that says, okay, we know there's something we got to talk about here. Uh, the White Sox have failed miserably at this. And even the wonderkins like, you know, Brooks Boyer came in, he had grinder ball. We love the grinder rules. That was awesome. Whew. I mean, you know, it's been 15, we're going on 20 years now. I mean, I'm not sure you can keep riding grinder ball, you're just going to have to step up and be a decent person who doesn't run our beloved announcers away, who doesn't endanger our fans at the park, who doesn't make fans like Melissa traveling a bit of a ways, maybe not even on a good promotion day, maybe just for a game, but yet as the first and second and third innings start to pass, still sitting outside the park because somehow you can't process people into the ballpark in time. There's just not that many fans. How is this happening? Uh, White Sox, you just got to do better. And I think to do morally better as esoteric and silly and just looking, looking 10 miles north, whoa, boy, that is not on their radar at all, right? But why does it have to not be on our radar? Um, you know, winning or not, they could have won the World Series. We'd still have these criticisms. They might, we might be a little bit more easily distracted. Of course, you know that really that light up uh, trophy sure looks good. So, I mean, a lot of our eyes would be off the ball if the White Sox were a winning team. But they were sort of hideous under Tony Larusa when they won ninety three games. Uh, they were pretty gross in the five hundred season, and they have been increasingly nasty. Uh, in this last year, it makes us tough. It makes it tough for all of us here on site and on this podcast to cover in good faith. Uh, so please stop challenging us in this way. Look into Dante's eyes, please, and realize we're not messing around. It's pretty straightforward. I mean, listen, you you know, give him good things to write about. Give him something right. to be excited about. Like, as like, let me. Sorry, I'm trying to eject him, but. While you're talking, I just thought about the fact that like it truly, they, it truly isn't that difficult to become a better team from last year, and it's kind of been a just a sequence of events building up and building up a tire fire, where there's like just a few tires at the beginning, and the first fire started when like they put Tony Larusa in charge, mm -hmm. and then the fire starts growing. Like, it's not too bad in 2021, but, like, towards the end, you're starting to notice a few things. And I don't know about you guys, but I pretty much figured that we were not going to be able to beat the Astros in 2021. Like, I just figured it, but I was happy I was there for the one win. I was like, okay, we can improve. Then the second fire is that the best improvement they make is, like, adding relievers that we didn't need because <laughs> just bring up random relievers from AAA and you got 50-50 chance of them working out, it feels like. And then, like, D'Antoni 
Larusa gets sick or whatever happens with him. And then by the middle of the, by the time we hit the All Star break in 2023, we got reports of Tim Madison getting punched while naked by, no, either while naked or by a naked Yasmine Grandal. Like, just become a comp, just be a competent franchise. And by competent, I don't mean on the field, I mean off the field. Yeah. Boy, Chris Sale took a lot of trouble for like getting the knife out and, and slashing uniforms, as he should. As he should. Yeah. What an odd yeah. fella. But yeah, very weird. Come but on. like at least that was like if that happened in 2023, that might have been like a lower level story. Although we have seen plenty of Chris Sale being crazy examples. Hope he has fun in Atlanta. He just has never stopped. Oh, he's sort of a good fit for Atlanta. He goes, he's gonna love that chop. You're going to love that chop. He's going uh, yeah, anyway. to love that chop. He's going to love all of it. It's going to be mm-hmm. disgusting. Oh, yeah. Um, that, that's, that's Good luck story. to him. He already has a championship, so I don't care if he wins one or not now. Yeah, well, he's got a lot more money now, too. So somebody's got faith that he's going to be uh, Chris Sale. I mean, to Joe's point, you know, and, and sort of related to um, his resolution um, to Dreer, at least what he was talking about, if the White Sox didn't punish us for having spent money, then go ahead and spend a ton of money on Joe Kelly, who's probably the same as uh, Declan Cronin or, or somebody in, in your, your, your AAA. Okay, marginally different, right? Has championship experience. Great. He did that face. That was really cool. But probably not $8 million cool. Uh, but the White Sox do punt. I mean, so we all want to, I mean, who cares about winning the accounting World Series? It doesn't really matter. Spend the money if you want to. But if you're going to use that as an excuse, like not to address any of the other positions on the team, then it's an issue. And you just got to be smarter if you're going to pretend that a team in the whatever third media market on the planet is going to act like they've got, you know, like tight purse strings, then no, you can't make those dumb moves. And you know, Rick Hahn's gone, but you just can't make those dumb moves. And I'm, you know, I'm sure Joe would agree with me that it's like if you know under these parameters, you gotta send smart. You shouldn't have to, but under the Jerry Reinsdorf ownership, you do. So you, you just can't be an idiot. Jump on the market for redacted. Jump on the market for uh, uh, Eaton. Adding relievers like, you know, you're filling up a Christmas stocking. Just it, it doesn't make any sense, Joe. I mean, that was part of what you're getting at, right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, there's a lot to be said about that whole, yeah, the, the Reinsdorf way of operating. I mean, I do believe that he wants to win, but he wants to do it in a very specific way that is difficult to actually accomplish. And that's problematic as we've seen. I mean, you kind of doing these band-aid sort of deals, like short-term contracts for sort of mid-tier free agents. I mean, you can catch lightning in a bottle once in a while doing that, but it's certainly not a reliable strategy. I mean, I, I don't, I would not advise any front office, you know, even the best of the best, you know, trying to do that on a consistent basis. And um, yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Jerry, I don't think it's a stretch, Joe, to say Jerry Reinsdorf wants to own the Tampa Rays and he has... <laughs> zero of the intelligent, like literally none of the intelligent personnel of the Rays. Now, whether the Rays just lucked into that and those guys just showed up in St. Pete and said, man, it took a long time to get here, but I'm here. Can you hire me? Look at, man, I'm going to be great. And they all turn out to be great. I don't know if it's just dumb luck or not, but he wants to run that team, which is fine because they win the accounting World Series every year too. Hey, good for them. 
but they actually win because they got smart people and the White Sox have, have demonstrated royal. none of that. Yeah. <laughs> what else do you need to say? Yeah, it le leads into <laughs> Crystal's point, which is, yeah, you've got to be smarter with this stuff. And so, yeah, let's model our franchise that's been around for over 100 years on the Kansas City Royals. Mm -hmm. Terrible. <laughs> Or absolutely terrible. Well, let's keep adding them. I mean, yeah. let's just keep finding every player who's ever had an association, find every administrative person who's yeah. ever had an association and bring them in. It, it makes, it's asinine. It makes no sense whatsoever. You know something I will say though about that strategy? There, there's a few rules I would like, you know, and by that I mean, can I get Bobby Wood Jr. and MJ Melendez? Like, can I get the good rules? Hmm. No, yeah. no, you're not no. getting George Brett in the front office. You're not getting <laughs> yeah, like, Royals. You're no, you're getting the get, callbacks. Like, they yeah. get the castoffs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, th uh, thanks for bringing that up. I somehow skipped Crystal and her resolution, acknowledging her not on the podcast, was stop being like the Royals. Now, as she acknowledges, even after since she wrote, and this is probably like what, two, three days ago when she wrote her resolution, the White Sox signed Brett Phillips and also named a new assistant GM from the Royals. So they've already broken the resolution, well, like over and over again, but just since she wrote it twice. So I'm that's one, well, it's we have one resolution that's already dead in the water of the eight or so. That one's already wiped off the board because the White Sox have already already broke that one. So Maybe she just wrote a resolution up to be broken because, of course, everybody's resolutions get broken, right? By that, I mean, it's like it's the 8th of January. Get out of here. Uh, you know, of course, everybody's resolutions are broken. Well, White Sox should have theirs broken, too, already. Uh, and they have because they just cannot stay away from the Royals. Uh, the Royals had a academy, you know, because they, you know, expansion team, right? Um, uh, about the time of my birth. Um, and they had a um, academy like, you know. A lot of teams do, but back then, I guess maybe it was a little more radical, like an actual like, hey, come and learn the game with our, you know, like like signing Kevin Hickey from the uh, uh, 16 inch softball leagues. Uh, and Frank White was at least one product from that. So, you know, other teams actually generate like real players, even when they're just doing this weird, you know, uh, um, academies on a, on a lark. They find like, you know, all stars and, you know, I don't know, borderline Hall of Famers in the White Sox. They can't be bothered to like field multiple minor league teams, which they're allowed to do, but the White Sox just say, you know what? One DSL, one ACL, two A ball team. That's enough for us. We got, we got so, I, we can't, so it's a, the, the, the payroll's too complicated as it is. This is like 250 people we got to pay. We can't pay more players than that, even though they get paid. Mm, oh, I don't know what, dollar an hour. A whole nother podcast, I suppose, but I guess we'll have time for it because I don't know, honestly, I keep saying this, but I mean, I really mean it. I'm not really certain what we're going to talk about this year. I mean, we don't want to just come on and do podcasts and have Dante Cuss and, you know, Joe be disappointed and, you know, maybe we'll even get listen to like scratchy. Oh yeah, we know Dante will do it. Hey, you usually just respond when Melissa's not on the package. Now you're just doing it when she's on the package. It's like, hey, you know what? It's time yeah, for me. She wanted good, it. She made me do special. it. Especially since, as you are saying, we don't know how often we'll be doing this before the season starts. Because how often do the White Sox give us news that <laughs> gives us a reason to care about the White Sox? 
emergency podcasts. We yeah. don't and we don't get to do them. Well, and, and see, we're so callous now too. I mean, we might have had an emergency like bad, bad news podcast, but now it's like we're just expecting it every other day. We're gonna do a podcast because another royal, you know, got hired or signed, or there was another, I don't know, the DUI or Reinsdorf said something else stupid, or he's talking to Omaha about moving the team there. Yeah, I mean, at some point you just get callous to it. And I don't want to be bothered because I don't like the team. And I'm guessing that, you know, most of you aren't super fond either. So I really appreciate you making the effort to be around, uh, as well as all our, our dear listeners um, taking a peek into this podcast, which you could argue is a bit of a gimmick, but, you know, not really. We are actually trying to address the team. Trust me, it can get a lot more gimmicky from here because I genuinely... Uh, I'm really not certain what to do. I can say like on opening day, we'll have a couple podcasts. I guess we'll have one for the opening of spring training. I mean, I can like pick some, you know, we can't do a podcast about SoxFest. If we somehow get a plant into the field museum, oh, you could bet we'll do a podcast because that's going to be juicy well, or they, boring. As they told us they're going to have a Luis Robert bobblehead. I was like, I put that out on Twitter. Like, woo. I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, you have like 15 bobbleheads a season. This mm -hmm. is as good as it gets. Mm -hmm. You're trying to get us excited over Luis Robert bobblehead. And you can't do one as clever as as the one where uh, um, uh, Eloy. Eloy is staring at him for stealing another fly ball. You can't top that. So you're not yeah. even going to have as good a bobblehead as you've had in, in past seasons. <sighs> uh, you know. Well, you know, we're putting together our schedule now. We're trying to figure out how we're going to cover this team, or I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out, and I, I, it's it's January now. I'm still just punting the task because, you know, who who wants to think about? Uh, I mean, it's sad. I mean, it's mar technically two months from now they're playing real games. Now, granted, this game is going to be in the snow. Miguel Cabrera is going to come back just to hit another home run into the snowstorm like he did a, a few years back against the uh, the Sox. But, I mean, they are going to be playing real games two calendar months from now, and it's just coming on way too fast. I would never wish for an extended Bears season or, frankly, even an extended Blackhawks or Bulls season. But, I mean, geez, we just – we need something, you know. I mean, uh, you know, where's a labor dispute when you really need one? And doggone it. They're just bound to play this year. So I, we're going to have to cover it. We're going to be here to do it. Uh, but your guess is as good as mine how we're going to do it. So hopefully we'll just come up with some interesting gimmicks or maybe some actual exciting news to talk about. I mean, who knows? Maybe Getz is no longer the GM. Maybe Grafal is no longer the manager. Maybe Reinsdorf is no longer the owner. I mean, I don't know. There's stuff we get excited about. Brooks Boyer might get shown the door. Maybe he'll do – maybe he'll maybe he'll drive some season ticket holders out of the field museum because he – got cranky about something and, and, you know, got his walking papers. Who knows? Not going to happen, but who knows? Maybe they'll all get stuck in an ice storm in the parking lot. And they just won't be able to show. They will never get out and we'll just have to have new own new, new executives and ownership running the team. You know, nobody has to die. We can just keep them away from the team. You know, it's a thought. Well, anyway, okay. Dante has made it very clear. I mean, seriously, White Sox, just do better. Look in the guy's eyes. Just do better. You want him to be happy. He's a great family. He's happy. And I'm going to argue that the bar is probably pretty low for Dante's happiness at this point. Yeah, I'm not even talking about 500. Improvement is probably going to make the him happy. The bar is literally win 70 games at this point. <laughs> like. You don't, know, I, don't lose 100. We good. For, for, for all the or, reasons. You know what? The bar isn't don't lose 100 because that's just that's too low of a bar for me. 
the bar is please, please don't make me like just every single game I cover is bad. Yeah. Every game I go to is bad. I just walk off the fit like off the out the stadium with middle fingers up, missing <laughs> Well, just you know, we gotta have video of that shot and that will just be the intro to every one of your articles. And you know, that really will say enough better than any lead could. So it's just another one of those. And you know, then you just spill into what you have to say. For for Super Joe, I mean, now that Sox math isn't even a thing, clearly it wasn't a thing already, and now it really isn't going to be a thing, given the fact that our announcer is gone. I mean, why does the why does the poor guy even have reason to tune in? But give this guy a reason to tune in. Come on, yeah, he's ahead of the game. You're not going to have to stay up late for any any you know any games any longer. It's why he can waste all the time he wants on the White Sox, and yet you're not giving him a product to waste his time on. White Sox, use your brains. Give the guy a break. Come on. Yes, I, I will watch. I mean, this is maybe what an unhealthy addiction looks like. Um, I, I feel like even though I recognize that it's not a good product at all, I still feel compelled to watch. Like I, I would miss it. Like looking ahead to the season, eventually as the season goes on, I, I will miss just tuning into the White Sox games and seeing what plays out. Um even though I know it's not going to be the most fruitful experience, I still am curious about what will happen. <laughs> okay. You, you see my mind now saying, okay, how can I exploit Joe's addiction to just make him take over this whole site? Okay. Who knows? Breaking news could be happening soon. We'll see how we can strong arm Joe into doing more and more and just taking it all over so that, you know, I can be uh, free and live my life without that terrible cloud hanging over me. Uh, Melissa, uh, I mean, listen, she's right in league with, with uh, these other two on the podcast podcast uh, obviously just give her incentive beyond uh, i mean listen bobbleheads are incentive i mean let's you know we're not we're not gonna you know soft pedal that but I like my free a little stuff. bit more can i, I mean, give it, yeah is it too much to ask for a ramp chant and a little sweet home chicago like <laughs> more than whatever it was 31 times in yeah. no that's terrible yeah. That's Fireworks true. that aren't scheduled and and or or maybe to be confused with bullets or I mean the little things uh, that you can do White Sox this year. It'd be nice if you just yeah, that's free like Sweet Home Chicago and Ram Chance like that doesn't even cost you anything. No, no, uh, yeah, no. So all right, in addition to giveaways, just you know, give her give her a competitive team because you know she's she's on the hook for a lot of this too. I mean, listen, all three of my beloved guests here, they're on the hook. They don't they probably don't even know. They're just staring into the abyss. They're trying to they're trying to sugarcoat it bless them for it but you know they know it's coming they know it's just two calendar months away it's frightening i'm terrified you see it in my eyes i'm terrified so you know where i'm at with it uh we'll figure a way through we we have for whatever six years and very few of those moments have been sweet <laughs> so get ready for another one uh we'll continue to roll out podcasts of undetermined origin and um output uh soon i mean we'll come up with something we'll be back with you soon i'm sure melissa will be with us on those dante as well as time schedule and patience permits super joseph Reese's his schedule and his addiction as well of course he is getting uh treatment for that uh, we all wish him luck in his recovery but again i'm determined to exploit it uh anyhow i'm brett i'm stuck doing this uh thank you for being with us uh we love to have you with us uh, i would ask you what you're doing here but that really is a whole other podcast maybe we've got our next podcast asking listeners why are you listening oh that's getting a little too 
meta or freaky or philosophical or something. We won't do that, but we'll come up with something soon. Spring training's coming. I mean, we are literally like about what? We're five weeks from players reporting to Camelback. They'll put down that order tray and they'll jump on the bus down to Glendale. Oh, it's going to be fun. Well, we'll be there with you for it. And listen, maybe it can't possibly be as bad as we think it's going to be. I just saw a rainbow and it went away, but uh, I did just see a rainbow. It is possible we do lose fewer than 101 games. So we'll root for that. And hopefully you'll be with us for this season rooting for it. We'll see what we roll out for you. Comments, et cetera. Always welcome. Thank you for being with us. And of course, thanks to my guest, Melissa Sage Momobach, Dante Jones, who did, did cuss and did stare down the White Sox. God bless him for it. And Super Joe Reeses, uh, Callie Joe is with us as often as possible, and I love having him. I'm Brett. Uh, read the article that accompanies this, uh, and we'll try to come up with actual topics of some sort in future podcasts and articles. Until then, take care. Thank you for being with us.